Joy has come. A Savior has come. And this Christmas, he has come for you. Well, again, we are so glad that you are here, and I want to wish you and your family a very, very Merry Christmas. We live in a world that is desperate for joy. We live in a world where we are desperate for things to be put back together the way that they were meant to be. We live in a world that longs for restoration, for transformation, for glimpses of beauty in the midst of the darkness and the violence and the war and the hatred and the prejudice. We long for glimpses of hope in the midst of grief and sorrow. We live in a world that is desperate for joy. Of all the things that we need this Christmas season in our lives, maybe the thing that you long for the most and you just don't realize it is a glimpse of real joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. Oh, I don't believe you. Say joy. Joy. All right, joy. And when I say joy, I don't mean a surface level happiness. I don't need a fake, put on a mask type of joy. I mean a real, true, deep joy. Joy is a powerful thing. It's not something that we can create on our own. It's not something we can manufacture or conjure up. Joy has to come from something deeper, a deep place inside of our souls put there by something bigger, by a force that's bigger than us. Joy is a powerful thing, and we long for it. We're desperate for it. Whether we realize it or not, you and I are created for joy. We have this insatiable craving for joy. Just as humans can't go for very long without food or water, you may not realize it, but we were meant to live, to run on joy. It's what makes life worth living. I mean, you can have everything that you want. You can have the perfect family on your Christmas card or on your social media feed. You can climb the ladder of success at work and have everything be just the way you want it and get everything you've ever wanted in life and still miss what makes life worth living. And that's joy. To be empty of joy is to not have a life well lived. We long for joy. To long for joy isn't a churchy religious thing. It's a human thing. It's something that every single one of us has in common tonight. No matter what brought you here, we long for joy. And tonight, along with millions and millions of other Christians around the world, we celebrate the fact that joy has come this Christmas. Not someone who brings a little bit of joy and shares it with us, but the one who created joy, the one who is joy, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I love how the Apostle John puts it in John chapter 15. Let's read it together up on the screen. Just a a note, whenever anything goes up on the screen here, chances are we want you to read it with much Christmas spirit tonight. So let's read John 15 together. Jesus says, Now remain in my love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Everybody say joy. Joy. Upstairs, say joy. Joy. Downstairs, say joy. Joy. Joy and complete joy. Thank you. Complete joy. Not a roller coaster of emotions with joy, but your joy may complete In other words, not lacking anything. Another translation says overflowing with joy, that you can experience this type of joy. How? Go back to the first part. Jesus says, now remain in my love. How do you experience great joy? You get connected and you experience the love of Jesus Christ. The offer, the invitation of Jesus to you This Christmas, in the midst of all the noise and all the clutter and all the distractions and all the busyness, 
The simple invitation of Christmas to you this year is to let the joy, to let the love of Jesus Christ be poured into your heart so that you can leave those doors tonight knowing that you know that you know that you have experienced the deepest and most real joy available to us. We are desperate for joy, and tonight we have it. It's the reason we celebrate. I mean, it's the reason we do everything we do at Hope. It's the reason we go all out for services like Christmas, the way we have a big party. It's the reason we decorate everything and have all the sorts of volunteers and decorations. It's the reason that the lobby looks like a tree farm on steroids out there or something. You're surrounded by it tonight. It's the reason we go all out with, with music and, and on art and dancing a little later. It's the reason that we have so many talented artists and musicians that share their gifts. Can we give God praise for our worship team tonight that did an incredible job? Awesome, awesome stuff. Also, our production team in the back that handles all the technology. All these teams are led by people just like you. They're volunteers. They're helping out. They're giving of their time. And not just in a, in a musical sense, but in a, uh, a visual art sense. Uh, Kristen from our creative arts team is over painting uh, tonight. There she is. And if you've never experienced live art during a sermon before, that just means if you're new to church and the sermon gets boring, I'm giving you my full permission to just watch her and check out. Hopefully, we don't get to that point. But be sure to check out Kristen's painting when you're done tonight. This joy is the reason that we've had more services this year at Hope than ever. 49 services across our six campuses and local sites. Six, five services for the first time ever here at Hope Des Moines. And I just, I have a feeling this is five out of five. I think you're the rowdiest service of all of them so far. So that's pretty exciting. Absolutely. You can give yourselves a round of applause. Because God's joy is for everybody. We go all out. And so I want to ask you this. What does joy mean to you? What does joy mean to you? If you had to describe it, could you describe it? Oh, it's when I, when I, when I feel happy, or when I get those warm fuzzies this time of year, then that's joy. It's the Christmas joy. Or maybe it's when I just get really excited, that's when I have joy. Some of you don't know how to describe it, but you're like, I have a lot of joy right now because I'm a Star Wars fan, and Episode Nine just came out. Any Star Wars fans out there, it's okay to admit that in church. Okay, a few of you, gotcha. Awesome. Please, no spoilers. Zip it. Some of us have been a little busy preparing for Christmas, so no spoilers uh, yet, but hopefully you get a chance uh, to see that. Some of you are like, no, 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 it's not Star Wars, it's not movies, it's sports. And if you're anything like me and you're a Hawkeye fan, 2019 has been a year filled with joy. Can I get an amen from the Hawkeye fans in the room? Okay, now, let's just, Cyclone fans, bear with me for a second. Let, let me gloat for one moment, and let's just walk through the year that it's been, okay, in the Cyhawk series. Football wrestling, basketball. The Hawks probably beat the clones in ping pong for all we know this year, right? And this is where the joy just overwhelms me because I have married into a family of diehard Cyclone fans and it gives me no more joy than to rub it in their faces and say, 2019, it's a Hawkeye state, baby. Can I get an amen from the congregation? All right. Now, now that I've offended half of you, let's continue with the sermon, all right? Some of you are like, no, 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 it's not, the, it's not sports, it's not the movies or anything like that. It's this time of year. It's, it's the Christmas season. It's, it's the lights and the carols and the, the food and the cookies and everybody coming home and family being together. And certainly, it's kids and grandkids opening gifts. Some of you may do that later tonight or tomorrow morning or whenever you do that. I mean, if you ever doubted that we are born, that we are created with an unbelievable capacity for joy... Think about kids opening Christmas gifts that they have been waiting for forever and ever. And so we put a little montage together of a variety of kids. And as you watch this, ask yourself, when's the last time 
I had that much joy on Christmas. Take a look. I want to open presents. Papa, I didn't get it. I'm Santa, babe. <laughs> Go ahead and open it. Okay. I got my onesie! <laughs> Ooh. is that? Praise God for the joy of children, huh? Man. I got my onesie. Ah! Do you remember those days? I mean, I, I, I know, like, for you, your kids, your grandkids, maybe this time of year, but I'm talking about you and your heart, and I'm really interested in you and your heart as an adult tonight. And even way more than that, that God is really interested in you and the level of joy in your life these days. When's the last time you had that much joy? You, you think of, not a surface level joy, not I just got some good Christmas gifts, but like deep, profound sense of joy. Think back with me for a moment to your childhood. When we grow up as kids, we, we have this unbelievable capacity for joy and awe and beauty and wonder and adventure. And it's not difficult. Nobody has to teach kids to have joy. And yet somewhere along the line, we lose it, right? For those of you that grew up in church, and you remember the Sunday school song, right? I've got the joy, 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 joy. Wow, you're really convincing me, right? <laughs> Doubt in my heart, right? We're not going to start a choir, I'll tell you that, right? <laughs> Down in my heart to stay, except the problem is it doesn't. We sing about it, but life has this incredible ability to steal our joy little by little by little. And one day as an adult, we wake up and we realize, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grown up, I'm successful, I'm productive, but I'm fine. I'm fine. And we miss out on the abundant life, the abundant joy, the complete overflowing joy that Jesus has for us. Even at the, the youngest age, life starts to pull joy out of us. Our, our son is six in first grade, and you encounter the school bully for the first time. 
That boy or that girl breaks your heart. You don't make the team. You fail at a sport. You get hurt by a friend. You don't get the job that you wanted. You don't get into the college that you wanted. Your parents sit you down on the couch and tell you that maybe mom and dad aren't going to live together anymore, and you carry that weight and that burden with you for years. Somebody that you love dies. The relationship ends. We fall into various hurts, habits, hang-ups, and the addictions that plague us. Life has a way of stealing our joy. And sure, there's glimpses of happiness along the way, and we'll go on a family vacation here, and we'll get a new car, or a new house, or a new toy, or a new gadget, or something like that. We'll go on a date night, and we'll get a little glimpse of joy that we can escape the reality of our life that's fine. And we're going through the motions. And yet, if we would maybe stop and just slow down for a moment this Christmas, our deepest prayer for you, my deepest and most sincere prayer for you tonight is that you would take some time to slow down and listen and to hear the voice of God speaking to you this Christmas. There is a very, very well-known but old French theologian and monk, Francois Fenlon from the 1600s. He said this 400 years ago. He said, how rare is it to find a soul quiet enough to hear God speak? Don't rush through your Christmas. Don't get so busy and live such a noisy, distracted life that you miss the whisper of God to you this Christmas, calling out to you saying, where did your joy go? Where did your joy go? And even more important than that, I can give it back to you, he says. I can restore the joy of your salvation. And I'm not just talking about those of you that maybe are kind of on the the outskirts looking in that aren't sure what you think about this whole church or Jesus thing. I'm talking about those of you that would consider yourself churchgoers, people that have been following Jesus, that have been going to church your whole life. Are you fine? Or are you overflowing with the abundant life and the joy of the Lord? Are you just getting by? Is Christianity turned into what I can do for God and how I can be busy for God? When's the last time you sat and were able to be with God and let him love you? Let him speak into your life. Listen, there is more. There has got to be more. Well, you might say, I got plenty of places that I find joy. And you're right. There's all sorts of places that we run to to look for joy. The first one is often just our stuff. I mean, from, from probably from September, we start getting bombarded by culture and our media with buy this, get this for Christmas, start your Christmas shopping now, five easy installments of $199.99 and you'll get this and you'll get a free toaster thrown in with it and it'll make your life complete and you can't live without this gadget and it'll be great. And it's not just kids, it's not just toys. As we get older, the toys tend to get smaller or bigger and get more expensive and we start comparing ourselves with the family down the street and well, that's what they got, and that's what they got their kids, and their kids are going to college there, and that's where they went on vacation, and they, we forget that comparison is the thief of joy. Whether it's the family or the couple down the street or on your social media feed that you're desperately trying to keep up with, where did your joy go? And yet it doesn't satisfy. We often wonder, is this it? Is, is this life? Is this what it's all about? Well, no, 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 it's not about stuff for us, John, you might say. It's, we live in a, an information age. It's, it's the technology, it's the gadgets, and I find so much joy in, in being utterly connected. I mean, you know that in the phone that you have in your pocket turned off right now has more information in it than has ever been known in the history of humankind. And yet I remember a communications professor in one of my classes in college that said every technological innovation has what's called a salvation despair cycle. 
For we put our hope in this next gadget and then it ends up letting us down until we want the next one and it's a never-ending cycle. There was expert testimony given in the United States Senate in the 1980s that because of all the time and labor-saving technology in the 1980s, because of all the technology, people would have more time than they knew what to do with and society would move to a four-day-a-week work week because we'd have so much free time on our hands and no one would be busy. Don't you think if we were smart enough to get off the treadmill of life that we would have done it by now? Isn't it interesting that the most common greeting that we give each other is, hey, how's it going? Hey, good. Having a good Christmas? Yeah, good. Staying busy? Yep. As if that's expected, as if that's the best, the most healthy decision is that we could just be on the treadmill all day long. And hear me say this. I have nothing against technology. It's good. It can be used in healthy ways. We use it as a ministry. I, I just don't see technology filling the deep need for joy that we have. If anything, more people that I talk to, the more friends we have, the more connected we are out there, the more lonely and empty we are in here. Depression rates, especially in junior high and senior high students in high school, are at an all-time high. Maybe we don't need more information. Maybe we need more joy. Maybe we need more purpose and meaning in our lives. And yet, if that's where our joy is found, we say, is this it? Is this it? Some of you are like, no, 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 John. It's not, it's not the gadgets, the technology. We don't do screen time in our house. We get our kids involved. They are busy. They're in art and they're in drama and they're in sports and we drive them around all these different activities and it's great and it's awesome and they are super, super involved. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. We do it with our kids not all the time, but I grew up playing sports and it was good and it was healthy. This was the first year that I coached our, my son's uh, basketball team, which was for five and six-year-olds, which means the majority of our time in this practice of basketball was when we have the ball and we're on offense, we go that way. And then when we're on defense, we need to run the other way. And this orange ball is a basketball and it goes in the hoop. And the goal is to put it in our hoop and not the other team's hoop. So, you know, I got a little competitive and my old athletic nature from high school and college came out and I got a little competitive. And I was reminded as they shared with us as a league before the season started, they said the number one reason that kids under the age of 10 go out for sports and activities, get this, is for the joy of it. Right after that, they said, you want to know what the number one reason that more and more kids are quitting organized sports before they even get to double digits or junior high is the overwhelming, incredible pressure from parents to perform that steals their joy. Maybe we have placed a burden on our kids and on our students to fill a void that they were never meant to fill. Hear me say this, I love my kids and there's nothing I wouldn't do for them. But the greatest gift that I can give them is a life that centers on Jesus Christ rather than a life that centers on them. That's the only thing that's gonna fill their soul and if I place my infinite need for joy on a four and a six year old, it's, always ne it's never gonna be enough. And we're going to be left asking, is this it? Is this it? There's, there, there's got to be something more than that. 
No, 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 John, it's not that for the kids in that season of life. It's, it's what's coming next for me. I'm really excited about the next season of my life. If I can just get through it, and we believe something that's called the when-then lie of when I get through this or when I have this season in my life, then I'll have real joy. And it kind of goes something like this, of when I graduate high school, then I'll have real freedom. And then when I get into college and graduate and get the degree and the real job that I want, then I will have arrived and it'll be great. But then, you know, you're not complete and you can't stay single for very long because that means there's something wrong with you, or at least that's what we believe. And so I got to get married. And so once I get married, then, oh, it's like Jerry Maguire, you complete me and then I will be set and I will have all the joy that I need. But then I kind of look around at other people's feeds and look around at other couples and say, well, we're not complete unless we have a couple kids. So then let's have a couple kids because I mean, how hard can parenting be? Once the kids are out of the house then and we're empty nesters, then I'll have all my joy back and it'll be great and we'll be set and then I can climb the ladder at work and if I get my dream job and we get that house and that car and go on that vacation, it'll be great. And then, But that doesn't satisfy as I climb up the ladder. It's not enough. And so maybe once I get retired and then I'll have my freedom back and then I can get to the end of my life and look back and, and then we realize, oh man, I missed it. I missed it because I was constantly looking for joy in the next thing, and I missed the fact that every single day of my life, the joy of Jesus Christ was right in front of my face, and I missed it. If your joy is tethered to your circumstances, you'll never find it. Only when you latch your life on to the unchanging love of Jesus Christ will you experience the joy that your soul longs for. You'll never find it any other way. Ask the people in this church that have reached the top of the ladder, the top of their game, and gotten everything that this world can promise you, and they will tell you it's empty, it's void, it's never enough. There's nothing wrong with it, but that's not it. That's not it. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with any of these things. They just can't save us. They can't save us. And so, oh, okay, John, it's none of those things for me. I know what the answer is. I'll just put on the happy face. You, you talk about joy. I'll just put on the happy mask and pretend that everything is great because, you know, we can't have a Christmas card that says, well, we had a terrible year, you know, and we get in arguments as a family a lot. So we'll just put a happy face all over social media and all of our Christmas card and it'll be great and we'll just pretend that everything is okay. What if you could be a part of a church where it was okay to not be okay? What if you could come, as the band sang in that very first song, tired, broken, scared, or just in need? What if you could actually experience a community that you can come as you are? And I'm, I'm not just talking about, like, on the outside and clothes. I mean, that's the case. This is the only suit I own, and the rest of the time I'm in jeans up here. So this is a little weird for me. But I'm not just talking about on the outside. I'm talking about on the inside, where you can come, and it's okay to not be okay, and you can come as you are. What if there was a joy that was deeper than any of that? What if there was a joy that would last much longer than whatever you're going to put in your cup and in your body this Christmas? What if there was something that could last longer? And there is. And there is. And I've got really good news for you. There's this really cool story. You should read it. It's in Matthew chapter 5 in the New Testament, in one of the Gospels. And Jesus is teaching, and he's giving this sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And he uses this word, he says, blessed, blessed, blessed. And the word for blessed is makarioi. Everybody say makarioi. Kind of sounds like macaroni, but it's not because it's Greek. So now you know a little Greek. Makarioi, and it literally means kind of a loose, kind of lazy translation would be blessed or happy. But it's deeper than that because if you look at how makarioi is used, it's 
talking about joy. Whenever makario is used in the Gospels, it's never in conjunction with prosperity. Happiness and joy are never talked about when Jesus talks about them, never in context of wealth, never in the context of stuff, and never in the context of circumstances. And always this joy is talked about in the context of somebody being connected to God. In your relationship with the God who created you. And so a much better translation that scholars have sort of put together is this for Macaroya, this kind of joy, God's untouchable joy, completely independent of life's challenges and changes. What if you could have that? And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with any of those other things that we talked about, sports and kids' activities and gadgets and trips and vacations and jobs and all those things. They can't deliver. They were never meant to. They are small g gods. They were never meant to fulfill an infinite longing for joy, and most of all, they can't save us. They can't save us, and that's why we need Christmas. And maybe you've never seen it before, but right in the middle of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, the angels appear to the shepherds, and they deliver what we need the most. This is what the angels say to the shepherds, and let's read it nice and loud together. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Three things I don't want you to miss tonight, and let's say it together. Everybody say good news. Say great joy. joy. Say "All all the people. And you are a part of all the people. This is what we are given on Christmas. And we want that joy. We're desperate for it. So how do we get it? Well, we read the very next verse, verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. How do we get the great joy? We believe the good news. And the good news this Christmas is that you and I have received what we need the most. Not a pep talk, not a politician, not positive thoughts, or an optimistic outlook on life. This is way deeper than that and will last much longer. We have received the one who is joy, Jesus Christ himself, which means we have a savior. And if we have a savior, that means there must be something that we need saving from. You see, we often forget about this, but we have a deeper issue than trying to get a few glimpses of happiness here and there. We have this deeply rooted problem, and it's called sin. It's the way that we live outside the boundaries of how God created us to live. And it's the root cause of every evil and darkness and and, and violence and war and hatred and anger and even the abuse that happened to you a long time ago that you've been carrying with you. It's the source of every darkness on our own heart and in the world that we see around us. And worst of all, sin separates us from the life of Jesus. Sin separates us from the life of Jesus, which means it separates us from the joy of Jesus. And the worst part of all is we are powerless in our own strength to overcome it on our own. There's no title, there's no degree, there's no position, there's no amount of money that can overcome the power of sin and death in our own Life, and that's why we need a savior. And on Christmas, he came. It's not this, it's not this, it's not this. This is it. Jesus, the savior that has been born to us. This is it. And he offers you this joy tonight, this baby in a manger. Now, some of you are like, now, Pastor John, uh, I hate to break it to you, but I think you forgot something. You forgot the kid, right? The manger's empty. Like, what are you guys thinking? Did you miss the most important part? No, because 
If you come back and you read the story, which I would encourage you to do, is to come back every week. You'll read that Jesus didn't stay a little eight pounds, six ounce, tiny baby Jesus, okay? He grew up and he became a man and he walked this earth and he experienced everything that you ever will in your life, every sort of pain and disappointment. And he took all of our sin and all of our past mistakes and all of our guilt and our shame and he took them to the cross and he was nailed to an old Roman cross and died there so that we would not have to carry them any longer. And three days later, he rose from the grave after predicting his own death and resurrection. He rose again, defeating the power of sin, death, and hell to bring you a new and everlasting life that you can step into right now here today and live forever. If you are bored with church, read the story again. It's a shame to bore people with the gospel of Jesus Christ because this is the greatest news the greatest joy that you could ever hear in your life, and you're hearing it right now, not from me, but hear it from God himself. This life, this love, this joy is for you, and it's the great news. It's the joy that the angels sang about that night. Amen? Amen. This is why we're here. This is why Christmas matters. There's a deeper joy than the darkness of our world. There's a deeper joy than the circumstances in your life because we know the end of the story. Death doesn't win. Sin doesn't win. Your past mistakes or the abuse that happened to you doesn't win. Jesus wins. Even if you don't think you need a rescue, he came for you. Even if you're fine tonight and you're like, I just came to Christmas service, John. Jeez, just ease up a little bit. I can't. I can't. This is our last Christmas service in this building. And I told my wife, I'm not holding anything back at 5 o'clock. They're getting everything. (laughs) Because we're moving this spring so that we can have more space and more room to more people can hear about this good news of great joy. It's for you. And sometimes we need to personalize that. I got a glimpse of this a couple weeks ago. My wife and I were looking at our calendar, and we planned out this trip we were going to to Nashville. We were going to go see one of our favorite artists and his band for this Christmas concert. And we were all excited about it, and our tickets were booked. And we were looking at our calendar, and we went, oh, no. Oh, no. And we realized that our daughter, our four-year-old daughter, Evie, was having her preschool Christmas concert on this stage in the preschool that we're supposed to be, like, in charge of here uh, at the church. And it's the very next morning after the concert. It's literally like 10 hours after the concert ends in Nashville. And so we're like, well, now what do we do? I mean, we are just rocking it as parents, right? We're just nailing this parent thing. And we got it. And so we're like, well, we, we've got to fly. We can't drive. We can't get back. We, we, I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to miss that. For it's, it's way more important. But we got these tickets, and I really want to go. And so uh, it's last minute, and funds are kind of tight. So we kind of looked at each other, and we're like, okay, this is your Christmas gift and your birthday gift and your 10th anniversary gift and your... St. Patrick's Day, May Day gift, all wrapped into one. So you better enjoy it. And so we booked the flights. The only ones we could find were out of Des Moines at 5.15 and then back out of Nashville the next morning at 5, which puts us at the airport at 4, which means we're getting up at 3, which means we are chugging coffee like it's our job and prying our eyelids open with toothpicks. And we are running from airport to airport. I mean, that is not a picture of Home Alone. That's us running through the airport of Nashville. We're like trying to make all of our connecting flights. And we go from Des Moines to Houston to Nashville. We do Nashville in 12 hours, literally. We get up at 3 a.m. the next day. We're to the airport, and we go Nashville to Atlanta. I don't know what day it is or what time zone it is at this point, to Atlanta, to 
Saskatchewan for some reason. We're back to Des Moines somehow. And a friend from church picks us up at the airport. We get back here. I change in my office and we get right down to that seat right there just in time to see that little girl smiling and waving like we've been there the whole time. Mommy, daddy, ah, joy to the world. The Lord has come. And she's waving, woo, and we're chugging coffee like this. And I just look at her and go, girl, you have no flipping clue what I've just done for you. You have no idea what I've been through for you. And parents and grandparents, you, uh, you know this feeling when you look at your grandkids or your kids and you can be so angry with them and mad at them one day and yet there isn't anything that you wouldn't do for them. Your love for them is never-ending as their mom and their dad or their grandparents. There's nothing you wouldn't do for them. And it was like in that moment as I'm looking at her singing her songs and dancing with her, with her crown, all I could think of was, oh, honey, you have no idea how much we have done to be with you here in this moment. And I would do it all over again for you. And then it was like God whispered to me, yeah, John, and that's the Christmas story. The God of the universe says to you tonight, you have no idea how much I've done to be with you in a relationship, not once a year on Christmas, but every single day of your life. Bringing you this Christmas joy is serious business for God, so much so that he sent his one and only son to die so that you could experience this joy. We had to catch a few early flights. The God of the universe moved heaven and earth, sent his one and only son. I mean, you hear about it in the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. Yeah, for God so loved the world, but for God so loved you you tonight, that he gave his one and only son, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Not, not happiness that goes up and down, but everlasting life, everlasting joy that doesn't run out. Everlasting, almost, almost like evergreen. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but we're surrounded by it. And my fingers are full of sap after a few services, but evergreens all around us this time of year. And the amazing thing about evergreens and Christmas trees and all around you is that they never change. They never fade. They never go out. They're evergreen. They're everlasting. This love, this life that Jesus has for you, his love is evergreen. You don't have to wait for the spring. You don't have to wait for your circumstances to change. You can experience this joy right now. Right now. His love for you is everlasting. His love for you is evergreen. Let's hear about it.
Wow. In Isaiah chapter 9, this baby that's born to us, we read that he will be called. (laughs) Get this. (laughs) He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Speaking of uh, artistic and musical talent, praise God for Micah, one of our high school ignition students for that beautiful dance of worship. Can we give God praise uh, for that? I also think the soloist is kind of cute too, but that's a story for another day. A God whose love A God whose joy is everlasting, it's evergreen. You don't have to wait for things to change. There is no waiting for the spring. You don't have to wait till things get better. You don't have to wait till things improve in your life. It'll meet you right in the middle of your mess. Joy is available for you right in the middle of your mess. And if there was ever a doubt, Christmas is messy. Jesus was born in a feeding trough, in a stable for you so that you would know that there's no part of your life that is inaccessible for Jesus to come and invade with his evergreen, with his everlasting joy into your life these days. We crave joy and Jesus has it for you. It's been here the entire time, even if you've never recognized it, it's been here and it's for you. It's for you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it this Christmas. The power of Christmas is not just that Jesus came, it's, it's who he came to. And don't miss this final part of the Christmas story. It's one of the best parts. Jesus came, but who did he come to? Who did he first appear to? The shepherds. The shepherds. Back to the story in Luke chapter 2. Have you ever wondered why of all people Jesus came to the shepherds? I mean, remember, this is good news of great joy for who? For all people, including the shepherds. But you've got to understand, the shepherds weren't as glamorous as we make them out to be in our little figurines and our Christmas manger setups. Shepherds were anything but godly. They were outcasts. They were dirty. They were smelly. They were probably homeless. They'd probably been kicked out of the city for being thieves. Most likely, they were far from God. And yet, the angels say, today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. And hang with me, for you. You and anybody like you that is maybe feeling like you're on the outside looking in of this whole church religious thing. There's a reason that later on in Jesus' ministry he said, I didn't come for the people that are fine. I didn't come for the people that think that they have it all together and don't need help. I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. I came for the people that know that they don't have it all together. If Jesus came for the shepherds, that means that he's came, he came for the man in our community here that's a recovering alcoholic, that's in recovery for the third time, and he just can't keep screwing up. Christmas is for him. Jesus came for him. Jesus came for the exhausted single mom of two that's just trying to make it every single day, and she doesn't know if she can take, put one foot in front of the other. Jesus came for her. Jesus came for the young couple that, and the variety, multiple young couples in our community that have had miscarriages this year, and yet for a few of them, they're too ashamed to say it. Jesus came for the hundreds of people that are homeless that live under bridges and tent camps and from homeless shelters that we welcome in every single week. Jesus came for the, for the families that we reach out to every single week that don't know how they're going to make ends meet and make their next payment. Jesus came for you. Christmas is for you. 
For those of you that got drug here against your own will and there's any other place that you would rather be, thanks for hanging with me. We're really glad that you're here. And if you're a CEO Christian, Christmas and Easter only, we are so glad that you are here. But there's more of the story, so you should come back. It's great. It's a lot of fun, and we would love to have you here. Jesus came for you that's kind of apathetic to this whole thing. Jesus came for the friendly lady that cut my hair at the barber last week, and it was all downhill after she said, so what do you do for a living? And I said, well, let me tell you, four days before Christmas, and that haircut lasted a little bit longer. And she said, went on to tell me the story of how she'd had a terrible experience with the church. Organized religion just burned her left and right. She said, I I don't want anything to do with that judgmental church thing. And I said, I got really good news for you. Neither do I, and neither does Jesus. Maybe it's time to give Jesus a second chance. Maybe it's time to give church a second chance. Maybe, maybe that the church should be the place that's at the epicenter of joy in the universe because it's the people that are connected to the one that is joy. If any place should be full of joy, it should be the church. It should be followers of Jesus. It should be a church that's known way more for what we're for than what we're against. It should be the very epicenter of joy. Jesus came for all people, for all people, for rich and poor and black and white and Republicans and Democrats. I mean, we can even have Hawkeyes and Cyclones worshiping next to each other. It's a miracle every single week here. Jesus came for all people, for all people, and his joy is contagious. We tell people all the time, if you're looking for a perfect church, this isn't it. But if you're looking for a church where everybody's welcome, and I mean everybody, and the joy isn't fake, you found it. You found it. Our world is desperate for joy, and the church should be at the very forefront of delivering on that joy because we know the one who is joy. We've got to experience that the last couple weeks as our lobby and our worship center have been overflowing with these Christmas gifts for our Joy to the City project that we blessed over 50 families with gifts for parents that wouldn't be able to give them to their kids otherwise. We've experienced the joy, and we want others to experience that joy. We're going to fill every food pantry in central Iowa this next year during our Super Bowl food drive. It's the reason we reach out and do our after-school project to kids right here in our neighborhood that have literally had their families pulled apart by war and famine and disease from refugee countries, and they come here with nothing. And we welcome them in, and we feed them maybe the best meal they've had the whole week, and we teach them about the everlasting love of Jesus Christ that will never run out on them. And they walk here miles in the middle of the winter because they experience a love here and a joy here that they can't get anywhere else. And it has nothing to do with Lutheran Church of Hope and it has everything to do with the joy and the love of Jesus Christ. We want everybody to experience this joy and that's why this spring we're gonna move into a brand new 60,000 square foot facility on university and we're gonna welcome in a variety of churches and congregations from all sorts of different dialects and ethnicities. We're gonna welcome in and have under our own roof a low income elementary and middle school so that every kid can have education in the city of Des Moines. We're gonna partner with multiple nonprofits and faith-based organizations for the good of the city and to tell people about the everlasting love of Jesus Christ Why? Because the good news of great joy is for all people. For all people. Amen? Amen. That's where the bus is going, and we would love to have you hop on to get off the sideline. Come join the mission. Give Jesus a second look tonight. Give church a second look, because he's calling out to you. He's very, very close to you tonight. And Jesus is calling out to you saying, now's the time. Don't go one more Christmas and miss the point. His joy is for you. This is the day. This is the time. This is the night. Open up your heart to him and let his joy in.
Let the everlasting, the evergreen love of Jesus Christ invade your soul tonight. Let him fill you up like never before. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Jesus came for you.